0: Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your co-host with Heather, and you are listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDOS world. Heather, how are you?
2: I'm well, Thank you, Min. Today, we have the company of Min, who's already introduced himself, Debbie, Matt, Danica, and myself. And we're here to talk about something we perceive to be a huge opportunity for the NDIS market, which was an announcement on the 16th of June that the NDIA, the National Disability Insurance Agency, released the 2022-2023 annual pricing review.
3: No, it's 2022-2023 pricing review, which is the period that the review was undertaken, but it's the five-year review of the SDA
2: pricing so our purpose today is to break down what we perceive as opportunities, implications, are there any negative things to move forward from here, and hoping hope that um, you'll find this discussion interesting. So I'll throw it over initially to Debbie to give us her initial gut reactions to what she thought when she read the report.
1: And by the way, I thought want to jump in here. We're going to do about three or four podcasts this week on this very topic. So this is simply a first impression, first impressions review of the announcement on Friday.
3: First impressions, wow. <laughs> Overall, the, the first thing that we saw was that the average SDA funding price increases across the board is 18.5%. As an average. As an average, yeah. So this is huge. However, it has... In some ways, complicated the SDA funding quite hugely. The NDIA price review panel obviously have taken about six, seven months to uh, go through submissions from different organizations and companies and individuals, looking at many, many different aspects, how the original prices were put together and where that basically had steered the industry wrong. In terms of what was being built, because of the uh, pricing that was offered for certain types of builds, and um, I think in most cases they have really addressed this in this new review. Significantly increased the prices for things like improved livability and fully accessible two-bedroom tenant, two-tenant, three-bedroom houses, and also decreased, which I wasn't expecting would happen at all, uh, the price. The incomes on some of the the units, the high physical support, particularly the two-bedroom one-tenant units. So um, overall, it is it is hugely different.
2: The figures that we're looking at now, Debbie. Did you have any indication before the report was released about what you thought the average price increase might be? Look, we were
3: hearing, oh, you know, maybe fifteen percent, maybe thirty percent. I was speaking to Alicia Rathbone from the Summer Foundation Housing Hub a couple of weeks back now when we were down in Melbourne at the SDA conference, and she said that she'd just been chatting to the NDIA board. They'd asked for some quotes from the Summer Foundation, and they would said to her, don't get too excited. Uh, so I'd kind of thought, okay, we're not going to see anything massive here. Um, I've been absolutely stunned. Can I throw my two, two cents worth here? As Debbie said, uh oh, the yeah, word on the
1: street was yeah, fifteen-ish percent increase, right? Maybe HPS is being only ten percent because they want to, you know, for housing because they don't want to get too many people excited about HPS funding. Fifteen to twenty percent for the ILs and robust because they're lacking in in product in the marketplace. And what's come out is, I mean, those if you look at the chart there, the red and green chart there, I think how wrong were we IL. 160%, not 15%. Yeah,
3: My God. I'm absolutely stunned. So, the highest rise has been on for IL housing for two tenant houses. And yeah, it's 159.6%. We're talking 160% increase in the base SDA funding amount. That is massive. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just beyond comprehension, actually.
1: So, Matthew, can I ask you a question, Matt? I'm sorry, still have this under. Steal away. In the past, investors have been calling our office and talking to you, and you being an investor relations manager handling their inquiries. I, mean, I know the answer to this question, but the question is, Matt, what has been the trend for in discussions you've had with investors, newbie investors, about what they should aim for, what they should invest, what do they want, and, and so forth? What has been the discussions between you and investors thus far the last two years? I mean, um, in terms of types, like it was hundred percent HPS before.
4: I think I've only I had actually an inquiry the other week. One guy who just wanted to build IL, but that's so rare. I feel like, um, yeah, for the most part, everyone builds HBS. There are some people who want to go the robust route, but eighty percent of people would want to build HBS. Maybe ten to fifteen percent want to build robust, and it would be five percent or less that's going IL or FA. So this is gonna this is gonna be such a game changer, both in terms of the perception of people people in terms of what, what builds, what designs they're gonna go for. And also in terms of just yeah, how how it's how it's perceived in the market, I suppose. Yeah, but you wanna go back to the the background here?
2: Sure. Uh, thank you, Min. So there are three points that I see that have come out of this review that are positive. Well first of all, back in twenty sixteen the NDIA promised that the SDA pricing framework would provide better than market returns to investors. And to this point, that hasn't been achievable. Also, this is a huge positive step to significantly increase SDA prices because we're in a a time of unprecedented increase in input costs. Currently, it's not viable to deliver SDA in some styles and design categories in many locations across Australia. So these are just three points that we would like to reflect amongst ourselves this morning look at any negative impacts look at any positive impacts and of course where there's change there's always opportunity
1: so this is a five-year review does that mean that we're going to have a review every five years Debbie I believe yes yeah and this does fix a lot of the problems
4: isn't it I feel that like the biggest one that it fixes is I mean you look at the number of participants and il far outweighs every other category but previously it just wasn't in terms of the way the pricing structure was set up just wasn't catered towards that, which didn't really make sense both from an investor standpoint and towards the ultimate goals of the NDIS. So so this goes in that direction.
1: Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Debbie, when you first saw this report on Friday night, in your mind, what were the flaws of the existing framework from five years ago? Let's talk about that.
3: Uh, I guess the, the most obvious flaw was the pricing for tenants living in apartments with high physical support. Funding, So people were building high physical support units based on the fact that they could potentially get about 130000 per participant, which was a huge yield. The problem is the number of participants with high physical support funding funded to live in a two-bedroom, one-tenant unit, very, very small. So people were building these and they were not going to get the tenants with the highest level of funding. So therefore, their yields would be lower, but they were still building them. And and not just that, also the one-bedroom is also a high level of funding, the one-bedroom, one-tenant unit funding. So there's been a lot of units being developed that are sitting empty or with lower funded participants in them. And what wasn't being built, as Matt has said, was improved livability homes because there was just no money in it. In amongst all this positivity, Debbie, do you think anyone has missed out? Robust. I don't see, there are some changes and there's certainly some price increases. Um, I'm looking at the uh, two tenant houses for Robust has gone up 86%. Across the board for Robust, it's probably down around the 20% mark, just just scanning these figures. But I think a lot of people were talking about hoping that there would be a new price level for a single tenant houses for Robust participants, knowing that 80% of robust SDA-funded participants can't share with another person. We're not seeing that. The only funding for a single tenant for the robust level is in villas, one-bedroom or one-resident villas. That's gone up about 15 to 22%. But to me, that still doesn't really encourage people to build robust. That's maybe going to be a break-even.
4: Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, because I, I mean, we were we were talking about this for months before this, hoping that we'd kind of see more of a uh, positive outcome in terms of because everyone builds robust. Uh, well, when they do rebuild robust, it's because it's they know that they'll find participants and then they know that there's a demand there. But a lot of people, they don't know about that situation where it's 80% need to live on their own. And
1: I don't feel as if this is necessarily being addressed here as much as it could be. Yeah. What's going to happen, I think, is all those existing robust houses that have been built around Australia, the landlord's going to say, well, I might get 80 grand rent. Okay, this is a round number. I'm not quoting actual numbers here, just examples. I might get 80 grand for one tenant for robust in my four bedroom house, or I could seek two IL tenants at 160 grand rent, or I'll get three IL tenants in the robust house for 180 grand rent. So no, thank you to robust participants, and give me the IL participants. That is going to be the mindset of people going forwards. And I, f- I feel like the flow on effect of that
4: is going to be that there's going to be even more demand for robust houses for people to because everyone will be shifting to an IL or catering to IL. Which
1: I don't, I don't know what the long term effects of that is going to be. Okay, and and then I'll put my devil's advocate hat on. That is these builders are going to charge. They do charge a lot for the robust houses, right? And if if I'm an investor, I'm thinking, well, why should I spend X amount of dollars on a robust house for IL participants? Where well, I can build a normal house with the very small upgrades for compliance for IL and save a hundred grand cheaper to get the three tenants for IL? Because investors want, well, you know they old was saying, Heather. As a consumer, you want to pay you want to pay the least amount of money possible for the maximum quality product possible. For the greatest outcome, that's just human behavior. So when you're buying a property here and property investment, you want to spend as least as possible with the biggest return, with the least risk. And that means building an I.O. house to get the maximum return and removing the risk of damage, which is the robust housing. So I'm just, you know, I'm throwing it out there. We'll see a trend here moving forwards, which is what the government wanted. At the end of the day here, it's what the government wanted. The theme here is, if you can read the whole document, and this is, if everyone Googles the uh, SCA price review 2022-23, it is about fire sprinklers, improvability, and two tenant houses. That's what the theme is all about, Heather.
2: Thank you, Min, for that excellent analysis. Um, so we've heard from Debbie and we've heard from Matt and Min. The one person we haven't heard from is our um, resident architectural design expert, Danica. And no pressure, Danica, just to throw you under the bus now. Any just gut reactions this morning, having had a chance to review?
5: Oh, honestly, I've I've only been able to look at it this morning, but it's quite, the numbers are fantastic in terms of the improved livability. But yeah, everything you've said makes absolute sense. I, I do like the idea that a lot of people have, so they've built the high physical support houses so far. But it means that they're going to be able to fit those improved livability tenants into there along with the high physical support tenants. And so it'll maximize their income that way as well, which is amazing for investors in that sense. So, yeah.
2: That's a great point. There's so much to unpack here. So I'll hand it back to everyone to have another look at anything that really comes, that jumps out at you as an opportunity.
1: I want to ask Danica, is there much stuff in the document about NCC? Yeah, no,
5: there's a little bit, actually. So, okay, so in a recent podcast, we actually talked about the uh, National Construction Code building classifications and how SDA housing fits into those categories. So, well, just as a refresher, the NCC is Australia's primary set of technical design and construction provisions, and it sets the minimum requirements for safety, health, amenity, accessibility and sustainability for any given building, dependent on the classifications. And so we pretty much laid out that the SDA housing can fit classes 1A and B, 2 and 3, despite uh, class 3 being the only one to mention disability support in any way. But now, um, so with this review, the NDIA and the uh, Department of Social Services, they've put forward a motion to work with the Australian Building Codes Board and other government boards and industry stakeholders. To define more clearly, uh, to f- define this more clearly, which is uh, great because, well, there'll no, no longer be any confusion around it. So uh, specifically, they've asked that they um, provide greater clarity to the sector as to whether the National Construction Code prevents SDA dwellings from being classica- classified as Class 1 buildings and that they develop a strong, t- a long-term approach to the classification of SDA dwellings in the NCC that protects the human rights of people with disability to housing choice, appropriately protects SDA resident uh, participants against fire risks, and provides for a more ordinary home-like environment than that required under Class 3 in the NCC.
2: Thank you, Danica. And also, we're very fortunate to have so many subject matter experts here in this company, so thank you very much for that that detailed input. Not a problem, uh, Matt. Any final thoughts, feelings,
4: wins? Uh, well, I think um, he was Danica kind of touched on it very briefly earlier. He kind of mentioned that although, I mean, if you're you're kind of in, you know, maybe you already have a HBS property and you're looking at the pricing changes for higher physical sport, and you're thinking, oh, you know, damn, that's maybe not that great for me. I mean. Mm-hmm. The good thing is that because there is that huge boost to improve livability, you will see a tendency mix which is, I suppose, less bottom ended or, you know, more of a more of a consistent tendency mix, mix I suppose. Which from an investment standpoint, you know, it it gives more confidence to the market, I suppose. Yeah.
2: Another excellent point. Uh, Debbie, anything you would like to implications moving forward? I guess
3: implications moving forward are complications over the pricing structure that has now been put forward.
1: Debbie, can you please explain that?
3: <laughs> it's,
1: Those are little things.
3: Yeah. So in the past, we had one pricing chart and there were slight variations for if you had a buy sprinkler or if you had an OOA in the property. Now what they've done is they've also added another major component into the mix, which is whether or not the owner of the dwelling paid GST on purchase price or claimed a a tax input credit. And basically now what we've got are four different charts. Uh, They've also increased the allowance for sprinklers significantly.
1: The word sprinkler is the first word. Yeah. So it's very clear.
3: How important it is. Yes. Yeah. So now we have four charts where we've got no sprinklers and GST paid and GST inputs claimed. With sprinklers, GST paid, GST claimed. No sprinklers, GST not paid and tax GST input tax credits not claimed. And with sprinklers, GST not paid or GST tax input credits claimed. We've still got the situation where OOA also does have an effect on the price as well as, of course, the location factors. And we haven't even touched on the location factors yes. in this report. Those have in some instances changed quite significantly. I haven't kind of done a full comparison as yet.
1: We'll we'll cover that in our next episode.
3: Yeah, that's a definitely another episode. So you know, when I looked at this, I just went, "Whoa, this is a far more complex base model." Now, I'm assuming that when the actual calculator comes out, it's going to be also much more complex, but will make it much easier for us to actually figure out what is relevant and what's not. That's that's what jumped out at me.
1: Can I can I be rude and say four words to all the naysayers out there? I told you so. Look at our last year and a half of podcasts, and there's a theme in our podcast.
3: Would that be fire sprinklers, man?
1: Yes, I've, I keep on harping on like fire sprinklers. One fire sprinklers. We keep on talking about two tenant housing, haven't we? I've been to, I've been saying
4: to clients all the time, you know, you can go with a four bedroom, but expect two participants. Don't expect
1: three. And lastly, we've been saying oh, we've been beating the IL drum for a year and a half. We, we saw it a year and a half ago, but no, I want to say it again. And I'm being, I mean, I'm, I know, I admit I'm being a smart ass here. All those naysayers who said, no, 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 I'm going for HPS, I'm going for four bedroom. I'm going for, well, guess who the winners are now, everybody. Those who went to IL first, they're the winners. And you know why, Matt? Because they bought those ILs at 650 grand two years ago. Guaranteed they'll be. 650 to 680 grand purchase price for four bed at IL. Around Australia, as an average, and now those builds are finishing up now, roughly now, a year, from a year and a half ago to now, that it's almost being built now, finished, enrolled now. So they'll be enrolled as of you know, June, July, 2023 onwards, and they're going to collect those 180, 170 grand rents for two ILs if they were fire sprinklers, right, on a 650 grand purchase price. Would that you? is one.
3: That is an That's enormous
1: huge. yield. I mean, I, I don't know, what's what's the yield there? 180, 170. Divided by six hundred and fifty, because two hundred divided by eight hundred is twenty-five percent. Two hundred divided by eight hundred is is twenty percent. I think twenty-five percent. So this is one seventy on six hundred and fifty. That's got to be 24 percent return. So those who those who saw the writing on the wall two years ago or a year and a half ago, who are coming out of their builds now and they were slightly concerned, they would be laughing right now because they they got the call right. And and all you have to do, ladies and gentlemen who are listening go back to our 140 episodes look at look at that title of our episodes we're talking about being conservative being wary about the oversupply of hps don't do what's the old saying about the herd mentality Heather? what's the old saying there the uh, the herd over the cliff thing what's the don't follow the herd
2: i only know about the pied piper Hamlin story yeah I'm not sure about the herd over the cliff story but yeah that's right don't don't follow that pied piper over the cliff because otherwise you um You'll be following, but not leading. Mm, mm. But I would like to say, just
3: to reiterate again, what's been said that this is, okay, you might've built a high physical support for tenant home that cost you a million dollars. The thing is now you will still be able to get full tenancy with a different tenant mix that is still going to give you a really good income. So overall, this is a massive win for everybody.
1: Matthew, in the last two years, when talking to people, what kind of tenancy and mix are you telling them to expect from a four bedroom HBS house? Generally, I go by,
4: I generally say 60, 70% of the potential income of the property. So, but the mix of tenants, though, I, would, I would probably, from that, I'd probably assume FAs, two FAs is probably a realistic, I suppose. Realistic, realistic but most likely outcome would have been what? Could be ILs, could yeah. be ILs, depending on the location, obviously. For a
1: four bedroom house, assume one empty room, one for the OOA, and two left. Of the two, it's an IL and F A or a HBS and a IL, or two ILs. So now, if they were the outcomes, IL-IL or F A I L. It's a lot more consistent in terms of the expectations, the potential. Yes. It's gonna be roughly that 160 to 190 grand return gross rent now, which is double from more than a, double. A year ago. Because a year ago, if you said, Oh, well, if I got an FA and an IL What was the return on that, Matt?
4: Would have been, I guess, 80K to 90K, something something like that. Yeah.
1: And now it's double that. It's huge.
3: I guess this just shows that the NDIA really have seen that they need SDA development, much more SDA development, and they've realized that this is the only way that that's going to happen by encouraging private investment, which was what it was done, set up for in the beginning. And they've and they've really done a, a realistic job of of looking at all the different elements and putting in those pricing levels to make sure that this is sustain, sustainable going forward for the next five years.
1: I think we should finalise and wrap up this episode before we, before we go to our next episode and Your thoughts, Heather? I mean, you looked at the report. You've heard what we said today. Are you happy with the outcome here?
2: I think that the... NDIA is maturing and I think that's the exciting thing about this report is that they understand that it's more complex and the different price categories. So we're moving moving into a different world and with change, there is always opportunity. There are people that will miss out and there is a lot to unpack. So please watch this space. This week, we'll, we'll be breaking down the categories and when we've had more time to reflect and, and analyze what's contained in the report, then we will be organizing to um, some, send some podcasts your way as soon as possible cool thank you very much everyone
0: thank
4: you thank
2: you thank you
0: we hope you enjoyed this episode please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating a written review and to share this podcast with those that could benefit until next time catch you on the next episode